Stages podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's springtime, finally. It's a time for renewal and letting go. And one of my favorite things to do is to open my closet and get tossing. I let go of so many things that don't serve me and don't reflect who I am anymore. I make space. And guess what? You can do this with your inner closet as well, as we say in yoga. Relationships, patterns, habits that you have outgrown that don't serve you, well, you get to toss those too. You get to make space inside of your spirit and you get to decide what you're going to fill it with. It is very powerful, but it's It's not always easy because growth is sometimes challenging, but it is always good. And BetterHelp can help. A good therapist can give you tools to explore yourself. They offer customized online therapy, either on video or phone chat sessions. It's more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can speak with someone in under 48 hours. Right now, Stages podcast members get 10% off their first month with BetterHelp. So giddy up, get clearing. We have had so many of our listeners take advantage of BetterHelp, and we really thank you because when you support our sponsors, you support Stages Podcast. So log on to BetterHelp. That's H-E-L-P dot com slash Stages. Get tossing, start growing, and happy spring. Hi, I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. Welcome to Stages Podcast. Where we're bringing creation and connection to center stage. Growing up, I was obsessed with Madonna. Could not tell you why. Couldn't <laughs> explain why. Um, and I'm sure, you know, a lot of other girls my age were, but her mother died when she was five mm-hmm. and there was this ins. I knew it. I, it's like, I knew she had this thing about her that I just could see myself in. And, wow. um, and so when I would meet an, a woman whose mom died, it it's instantaneous. You have a very deep connection as I grew older. And I just met anyone who knew grief. I have an instantaneous connection with someone who knows grief. listeners and happy Mother's Day. On this day, we celebrate all mothers and all children. We recognize and appreciate that there are many different kinds of families out there and that sometimes this is a difficult day for people. I have known our guest for many years. I admire her work and everything that she's done for children across the country. We hope and believe that the work that she's doing will inspire everyone. I want to read this little quote. It says, here's to the mamas, the mamas who love us no matter what, the mamas who show us that we are worthy, the mamas who teach us sacrifice and joy, the mamas we've lost and those of us experiencing loss, the mamas whose motherhood looks a little different, the mamas struggling, the mamas trying their best, the mamas who have to be a daddy too, the mamas who are chosen and rise to the occasion, the mamas who show us the power of tears and laughter, the mamas who somehow make it look easy, even though it's hard as hell. The mamas who need a damn break. The mamas we are, the mamas we hope to become, and the mamas who need our support. This was written by Cleo Wade. When Kara was nine years old, she longed to meet another little girl that was just like her. She lost her mother to breast cancer, and in spite of extended family and friends, she felt isolated by this profound loss. 
Kara grew up, graduated college, got married, had children of her own. And one day in 2013, she heard about a young girl in her community that had just lost her mom. Kara took action and created Empower Her, the only nonprofit organization in the world dedicated to girls who have experienced the loss of their mother. This organization has grown from a small grassroots endeavor with a handful of girls in her area to a nationwide network helping thousands of young girls who struggle without their moms. Empower Her teaches all of us that if you surround yourself with strong, passionate women, anything is possible. Kara lectures on adversity, women's empowerment, and social entrepreneurship. She has been featured on PBS NewsHour, CNN, ABC, and many, many more. Please welcome my friend, Kara Belvin. Cara to stage, please. Cara Belvin to stage. Oh my God, I'm so excited. This is so exciting. Well, we feel so blessed to have you. So I know on Mother's Day weekend, you host several retreats for the girls Mm -hmm. all over the country. They're in Boston Mm -hmm. and New York and California. At the end of the episode, I'll put a link up and I'll explain for anyone who'd like to maybe get into your network or knows a child that wants to get into the network. Um, But explain just a little where it all began. I was nine years old when my mom, Kit Murphy, died of breast cancer. And I was so grateful for just layers and layers of support my family received um, after she died. But I never met another girl like me. And that's just such a super isolating experience. And, and so I kind of went about my life. I mean, I, you know, went to college, I married, had children, and I was recognizing that not a lot had changed since my mom died, you know, mm-hmm. in the eighties, like the dark ages of grief. Those aren't mm-hmm. my words. I stole those from my favorite author, Hope Edelman, and not much had changed for young girls that I was actually meeting sort of haphazardly, but I was, I was introduced to young widowed fathers with their grieving daughters. And I thought, why hadn't someone like flipped the switch on this? Why is there no community for girls and women of, of this extraordinary loss? Um, and so my idea was very simple in the beginning, uh, really right around the time, not not soon after that I met you, Marilee, but you saw what I was really trying to do Um, here just in Boston around my hometown, but recognizing, well, this should exist everywhere, right? I don't have a monopoly on mother loss. And I had this very simple idea to bring teenage girls away on Mother's Day, because that was such a lousy time for me growing up. And it's the two months leading up to the day that are really worse. And I wanted a big you know, boxed bow with this gorgeous invitation. I wanted the girls to pack their bags and look forward to something and where they would meet other girls from around the state of Massachusetts at the time. So now that we're national, you can imagine how exciting that is for me, but these girls would never really meet another girl like them in their school because in their mind, they're the only girl in the world whose mom died. Mm -hmm. And so you come together, you look around the room, you realize you're not alone in your grief. You go back to school the next day where you you know, it's like a one-ton brick on your chest. You have to survive this. You have to go to school, do your homework. You've got choir practice, you've got violin, and you're just kind of surviving in a world that's going on around you as normal. And there's really not a lot normal about your life now that your mom just died. And so that was the very simple idea um, to host a a Mother's Day retreat. And then that retreat multiplied to multiple events uh, throughout the year. That was going to be my question. Was your first impulse just to simply have 
a beautiful one-off or was there a larger, like a five-year plan or a 10-year plan when you first started? Oh, there was for sure a 10-year plan. I mean, it was just, right? Like, you know, I think around that time, it was 2013. It was like everywhere you looked, it was, she believed she could, so she did. It was like, I had this like thought bubble and I was like envisioning Mm -hmm. if I could find women like Marilee, and this is the God's honest truth. Marilee was a, a woman that couldn't relate to my loss personally, but she had compassion and passion And she donated countless hours to plan these one-offs. So the Mother's Day retreat was this big idea on Mother's Day, which was very different than what was currently out there in terms of terrific bereavement organizations, you know, that have a camp for children in the summer on a campground or um, support groups that are therapeutic based and sit in the circle with a clinician. And and I was a school psychologist. I I had a background in that, but I just had an idea for just everyday women, positive role models from the community who maybe just know adversity. Maybe they don't have this personal tie to this cause, but would show up for the girls. So it was a beach party and it was a cooking class. And then it was an actor's workshop, kind of package up these events, make them like non, like no pressure, and, and just simply to build community. So the girl right. was, whether she was nine years old or she was 17 years old, mom died by suicide or mom died by a terminal illness, like my mother did, or a sudden death where we were all waking up to this before and after. So I, I wanted all of us to be in this room together with adult women, women from the community who knew adversity, who could host these events. And they were doing them as volunteers. So I, I did think that, well, this I, I could scale this because I could find other amazing women in other parts of the country that would do this. And I did. So, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't totally that simple. I mean, there was a great deal of trial and error, but that's what we do today. We host these events throughout the year. And then in addition, I went out to, you know, basically big brothers, big sisters and said, like, teach me how you do mentorship. Like, you've been doing it for a hundred years I want to do it for girls in grief. And that's what we did. So we uh, have a mentor program and our mentors are women who can relate to the loss. And so they've lost their mom in childhood or they've lost their mom. They lost their mom a year ago and they're 40 years old. And they're saying to me, I can't put one foot in front of the other. How is a 12 year old right now? And so they're ready to give back and serve as a mentor. And that goal of mentorship really being teach loss is survivable. Because when I was nine years old, you could not have convinced me that I was ever going to get out of that, that deep pain and that like bring you to your knees pain of like missing her and moving forward through it. Like they're just, you couldn't have convinced me, but now I can, I'm like trying to match these women and say, tell her, Mm. tell her that it gets a lot better. You know? Yeah. What is the training like for your mentorship program? Our training essentially matches big brothers, big sisters, right? So I I wasn't trying to reinvent the wheel. The training, the screening, the matchmaking procedures, the monitoring procedures are all very similar, but they're very labor intensive. So we don't just match to match. So a woman who was interested certainly goes through this application process and um, we interview, it's a professional and personal reference check. It's a driving record. You know, it's, it's a thorough background check. But then it's just also this gut feeling. I mean, that's it's, it's a real human component to this because we work with dad or grandma or the aunt who's raising her. And we say, what are you looking for in a mentor? Mm-hmm. Someone young, 
someone young who can talk to her and it's not that far out of high school and remembers, you know, I'm 44 years old. It's hard to remember exactly what it's like. Um, Or maybe it's somebody more mature, a woman in her forties or fifties with a similar type of loss, maybe a loss to suicide or substance abuse, or, Mm -hmm. or just a woman who can have hard conversations. You know, we talk, we always say at Empower Her, you can do hard things. You can, you can talk about hard things. Our mentors are not grief experts. Um, They're friends. They're not replacing the role of mom stereotypically. And I understand it, but a lot of people generally think that I started a nonprofit to match the girl who needs a prom dress with Mm. the woman who wants to take her shopping. And they do, our mentors are doing that. I mean, tenfold, but I see. Yeah. However, um, and I, I, I use those opportunities to talk about milestone moments that make you feel even worse, that make you feel Mm. sad that she's gone, that make you miss her, or that make you just feel so different from your friends, that your confidence is destroyed. And so these are things that I learned like 20 years later. I have, I found my voice when I left my house. You know, I, I grew up in a beautiful community with a pool in my backyard. I mean, I had everything I needed and beautiful family and friends and I had a great childhood, but it was a very painful childhood and it was sad. And I had no tools to talk about it. Like my mother died and the pictures like came off the wall and we moved on. And, and I, I hold no ill will for that. I mean, my father was an incredibly loving and supportive man who was so sad and so overwhelmed. Um, And people in town didn't want to step on his toes or people didn't want to upset me. Were you an only child, Kara? Did you have a sibling? You had siblings? No, my big bro. No, Todd is, you know, like my best friend today. He was the protective big brother. Mm -hmm. Um, He was funny. He was like Saturday Night Live funny. Um, (laughs) Great sense of humor. Like there was a lot of laughter in our family. My dad had a great sense, has a great sense of humor. It was loving. My dad told me he loved me every single day. He tucked me in and into bed until I was like, you know, in junior high, like I had a really protective, um, loving family, but they were grieving on a different planet. Sure. Mm -hmm. Like we all lived in the same solar system, Mm -hmm. but we were, we, we, we lived on different planets and I'm trying to acknowledge that. I think that's exactly how a lot of young women might feel um, without knowing what that profound loss of losing, losing your mom yeah. feels like. I mm-hmm. think what you're creating here is a sense of belonging. And once you then belong somewhere, then you can trust mm-hmm. and then yeah. you can open up. Yeah. Then that healing begins because yeah. you recognize yourself and others and yeah. how magnificent. Yeah. I was hosting one of the beach events one year yeah. and I was just chatting with this little girl where she said, when I go to school and walk down the hallway, I'm the girl who lost her mom. Yeah. But when I come here, I'm just one of the girls. One of the things that I learned in helping out with your program was how uncomfortable grief makes we onlookers. So sometimes it's hard just to be present and have fun for the girls and not treat them like they were different. At least that was my challenge, being someone who still had their mom. So I feel like when you created Empower Her, you weren't only helping the young girls, but you were actually helping all of us from all stages of life to help learn how to navigate grief, not just for ourselves, but for others as well. 
I wasn't a writer. I wasn't, I wasn't, a, I, I couldn't sing a song about it. I, I, I didn't want to write a memoir. I didn't, I didn't start a nonprofit in my mother's memory. I mean, I pay tribute to my mother every single day, but I, I didn't name it the Kit Murphy Foundation. I knew that was empowering for someone to, to say, yeah, I hear you. And, and, oh, I can't, I don't know exactly what you mean yet. You're, you're 15 years old and you are the only girl in, in the world whose mom died in your school. You live in a small town in Massachusetts right. and I can't fix that for you yet. But if you believe me, I'm going to tell you as your world opens up, you're going to meet women, particularly women who have been through really painful experiences and you're going to draw strength from each other. Yours is out of sequence. You, you, your mom died. And that is an extraordinary loss. I've had psychologists almost like disagree with me when I've said this. I've been caught saying I had a traumatic experience. This this loss of my mother was a trauma. I th- I'm going to call it a trauma. It was it it is so deeply painful. Whether or not it's recognized as a traumatic event, death is a natural part of life. But for a little person to yeah. have to experience a loss of their parent. And I love to share, you know, about boys and that's the vision was always all youth. It wasn't, I needed to, I needed the time to really do this right and kind of get my bearings, I think, but the vision was to expand to all youth. And I think for a child to know and to be introduced to other people who maybe had a secret that they kept for a long time. Like I kept a secret, like we were fine Yes, my mother died, but I have straight A's. Mm. You know, I'm I'm playing tennis. You know, I I've got my boyfriend. I sit with the cool kids at lunch. Like that, my secret was I'm fine. Mm-hmm. And I think I've met a lot of other people who have felt marginalized, who have felt very different than their peers, or had a mm-hmm. you know an isolating childhood. And we kind of I think kind of agree that that will destroy your confidence. So not until I really left the house, I went to college, I traveled, I, I had my world opened up. Did I really start to, I think, stand taller? Um, so I want the girls to get that. I want them to get there earlier. Yeah. You know, like that girl meeting you and having that conversation. I want to explore though, what you just said, that there have been psychologists who told you that it's not categorized as trauma. Cause it would seem to me that it would be very traumatic. Yeah. I think I think the important thing, or I guess where I'm coming from, right? Any founder of a nonprofit, I think it's a very bold endeavor. And I don't recommend anyone does it without being absolutely certain that that doesn't exist already. You know, if it exists, go join their, the movement and serve on the board, host a fundraiser, you know, work with this organization that's trying to change something about this. But I wasn't, I didn't have a, um, a background in children's bereavement or grief. I simply had this idea for this Mother's Day retreat, I I called it Empower Her. And then I just sort of went on my way. Like I just sort of set out on this. I then real, I was then unopening all of these other parts of this problem that were children's bereavement in this country. Do we talk, do we do a good job of talking about grief and loss? Probably not. I'm, but I'm still not the expert on it. You know, I'm the doer. And that, that was my contribution was I don't know if it's a, if you consider this a childhood trauma to lose a parent before the age of 18, I'll tell you anecdotally. And, you know, people will say, well, you're the expert in your own story. And I'll tell you, 
it was a very traumatic experience. And um, so I, I try to say like kind of one foot outside of that. I think, okay, we're, I'm really the founder of a nonprofit that I think is a children's bereavement nonprofit, or maybe we're a mentor nonprofit. I don't know what we are, but we are just trying to build community and trying to say like, I see you, I hear you. It's almost like, um, you know, in, in sort of writing up the mission of like who, what kind of offering was, was um, empower her going to, you know, come up with, it was these events. They were not therapeutic. They were in the community. They were in a beach. Uh, they were at a cooking studio. They were where the girls live and grieve. Like I didn't know how to articulate that, but I was trying to say she's grieving at the prom. Mm-hmm. She's grieving while all the moms are taking pictures. She's just like a lightning bolt. She's reminded her mom's missing it. Mm-hmm. Or she just misses her in general, um, or she now just feels different. But she's also grieving on the beach, and she's grieving every day, all day. And so, build community for her, and uh, and especially for girls and women. To you know, girls supporting girls, women supporting women, and find ways to draw strength from each other. I don't know really the label for it yet. I think we're like years away from really getting there and figuring out what children's bereavement looks like, if it, you know, what, what in terms of trauma or trauma informed care, um, I simply was just trying to build community. Is it fair to say when you said, um, I didn't really find my voice until I left the house Mm -hmm. and you speak so openly about what a beautiful household you lived in Mm -hmm. your dad and your brother, did you feel like it might be disrespectful or like they weren't enough if you oh, showed yeah. your entire sadness, if you showed oh, yeah. your entire heaviness and grief? Yeah. And, and again, I'm not an artist. I think artists like you both, you, you would have a lot of advice for me. I didn't know how to articulate this without ever being sure that my dad knew I wasn't doing this because he did a bad job. Mm -hmm. I wasn't doing this because my aunts and my grandmothers and the cousins and my friends' moms didn't show up for me. That that has never been what I was trying to say. I was trying to say that sometimes we're in the wrong job descriptions, that I don't think it was my dad's job to, to be the grief expert in my house. My dad's job was to tell me he loved me every day, and he did. And I never felt the sense of abandonment that any psychologist would have had a field day with me, you know, first day in a therapist's office and they're going to, you know, classic overachiever (laughs) and like, (laughs) they're writing my story. They didn't ask me how I felt when she died, how I felt when she was sick, um, how I felt five years later, because I felt different because your grief goes through these waves and cycles. And, um, and it wasn't over two years after she died. I think a lot of people need you to say you're fine. And it's, it, and there's not a lot of open space for a kid to say, I'm still not fine. Oh my God. I'm still really having a hard time with this. I'm having good days too. I'm moving forward in my life. Um, so it was hard. I mean, when I started empower her and the story is so funny because I never fantasize of starting my own nonprofit and I never talked about my mother <laughs> mm. and, and there was a rule, like you were not allowed to really ask me about my mother that was tucked away. That was so painful. It was tucked so far away. 
Now I had like a little bit of a script. I mean, my mother died of breast cancer and I was very eagerly involved in breast cancer advocacy work and fundraising. And I could tell you she died of breast cancer. But if you asked me what my favorite memory was, I would Mm. be like, how dare you? (laughs) Who do you think you are? This is so private. No one asked me 20 years ago. Why would you ask me today? You know, there's this like, it's like sprinkled with a teeny bit of rage, honestly, you know, and, and so I, I had this idea for empower her because my best friend said to me before I even started empower her, she said, you know, you really should start this nonprofit. Um, there's nothing like this that exists. And for the last few years, you've been befriending all these young little girls who have mother loss. And what I was finding was these girls were sort of latching on to me. I was like a real person to them in the flesh and blood. I was a, I was a 36 year old woman whose mom had died when she was nine and she had survived it. Mm. She's married. She's got kids. She's got a job. She's got friends. A 16 year old girl once said to me, I watched you one year, the first year of the mother's day retreat. She said, I watched you in the corner of the room. And at the retreat, I had chaperones, like women, like Mary Lee, who are my friends. And she said, I watched you just laughing with your friends in the corner. Meanwhile, we're like putting on this amazing weekend long retreat, but she says she watched me out of the corner of her eye and thought maybe one day I'll laugh with my friends in the corner. Mm. And she saw my husband come to the event with, with my kids. And she watched me and said, maybe I'll get married one day and I'll be laughing with my husband. At 16 years old, she physically couldn't imagine that. Again, why I kept growing it, why I took it national, why it's now international, why I want to serve boys is because she's saying something that everyone else is also feeling. Mm -hmm. And my God, that's not just here in Boston. Like that's it's everywhere for a kid of that kind of trauma, that kind of pain um, is that unimaginable. Like, am I ever going to get out of this? You know, what's really awesome about it is, you know, the old philosophy, heal the mother, heal the child. What you're doing is you're healing a part of these children, you're helping to heal a part of these children. You're giving them self-knowledge and self-compassion so that when they grow up and have children, they are passing that down to their own children instead of passing down the uh, unhealed wounds. A thousand percent. And I didn't, I didn't put that on my homepage, but that's right. what I was trying to do. Yeah. And I just saw it in very practical ways. I saw Okay. I lived for 10 years on Mars. My mother died when I was nine and I lived on Mars for about 10 years. And it's hard for people to hear that because anyone would kind of refute that and say, but I don't know. You looked pretty great. Look, you turned out all right. And you didn't tell us that you were sad about your mom. Why didn't you tell us then? Yeah. And I'm like, cause I had no tools. And yeah. so I, I look at what Empower Her does because I don't do this alone. I'll admit I had a good idea. I was pretty good at raising some money. We raised $5 million just to do the thing. That is now, there's something else that I'm that we're now, there's another space I think we're moving into, thankfully. But I watch the women at Empower Her. I have 2,000 volunteers around this country that are, I've, we have five people on the staff. But I watch all these unbelievable women with girls that are getting that message to them faster. And the research does say, if a child does lose a parent, the best outcomes 
are healthy development for their surviving parent. And so we do a lot to, to support dad or grandma, whoever it is that's raising the child. But it's really best for the child to grieve at the time of the loss. So I don't think I grieved when my mother died. I think I grieved 10 years later when I went off as a freshman in college. And the wacky thing is I followed my big brother. I did everything he did. And I went off to UConn and he was a senior and I was a freshman and he picked me up one day in my dorm room and, you know, put me in his car, took me to lunch, get me off campus. But he was trying to sit me down and tell me something. And cause we never talked about my mother either. I mean, that's how painful it is. And but yet we were thick as thieves and we never talked about her. And he picked me up and took me to lunch and he said, you better buckle up because you're about to uh, grieve mom. Hmm. And I, you know, I'm like, I just keep eating. Don't say anything. He was a thousand percent right. And all the research suggests those, those kids, kids like me, they grieve when they leave the home. Mm -hmm. And I did, I, I, that was like my rebirth. I, and I, I'll never forget it. I, I was with my roommate freshman year and I just looked at her one day and I said, Oh my God, my mom died. Oh my gosh. Mm. And that sounds so silly, but it's, it is how powerful your mind is. Yes. We're not going to sit around all day and talk about how mom died and when mom died, but you know why we're all here. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is a community to love you and support you. And let's talk about mom. Let's not talk about mom. There's no pressure here. Take what you right. want and leave the rest. Cause I don't know where you are in your grief. My goal is talk about hard things. Now think about why so many people in their twenties and thirties, they, they latch on to the singer, the singer that they thought was speaking to them. Like, mm -hmm. I'll tell you the Indigo girls were like my church because they were like talking to me wicked. I, I mean, I'm, I'm at wicked with my daughter and I'm in a puddle mm -hmm. because the good witch. Yes. The good yes. witch and the bad witch. They have very different meanings for me. Every Disney yep. movie, Cinderella's mother is dying and tells yes. her have courage and be kind. And I, and I'll tell you, that was one of those moments where I thought like, oh, there's no way I can do this. Like, I don't want to start a nonprofit, but I thought I'm going to do this as much for the little girl as I am going to do this for her mom, because my mother left the world kicking and screaming. She was 37 years old, sick for two years. It's like the saddest story in the history of sad. And she did that so bravely. She knew she was dying. She said goodbye to her husband and her son and daughter, asked her family and friends to help raise us. And that is happening every day all over the world. And so a mother does need to know that her kids would be okay. But I don't know these women. But I think that's really kind of what I'm doing is yeah, is but saying we're, we're all these women, <laughs> yeah. you know, we're all, they are us. We are them. Even hearing you tell yeah. that story, I can only imagine what it is. I could burst into tears right now at the thought yeah. of having yeah. to do, say that to my yeah. child, having to say, yeah. I won't be here to see you graduate high school, to see you get married, to see you go to college. I mean, right. oh my God. It's the unimaginable. It, it, it is, is unimaginable. unimaginable. My best, best yeah. friend from high school, when I met her when we were maybe 12 and she had just lost her mom at 11 and mm -hmm. they weren't allowed to talk about it. She didn't get to go to the hospital, say goodbye. We're not going to mm -hmm. talk about it. The pictures come off the wall. That's yeah. it. Lock it up in yeah. a box. Is this back away. in the 1980s, Mary Lee? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. was in the eighties. Mm -hmm. And so it may, um, it's happening right now too, down yeah. the street, but yes, yeah. I, yeah. And, but yeah. now yeah. she's, you know, grown woman in her fifties getting divorced and she's found that 
it's all come back up. I know. So now it's like when you went off to college, right? Yeah. It was like the safety net that our mind builds for us yeah. to keep what we don't want to know at bay yeah. burst open when you went to college. Now for her, yeah. she gets divorced. Yeah. Her children are all grown. It's burst open. And, oh, and yeah. we were talking about it. She's like, I, you know, I'm not sure I've fully grieved it. Yeah. And I think the mind to call me. (laughs) I think, well, I've tried to get her to volunteer. Um, Yeah. I think that would be so great for her and very healing for her. Yeah. You were quoted in an article and it really touched me because someone who their impulse is to want to help, but then you're reserved. You're quoted as saying, people are afraid to offer support to a child who has lost their mother for fear of stepping on the father's or I'm going to add caretakers or even other mom's shoes and Mm -hmm. fear of overstepping those boundaries. And that would be me. I would recognize perhaps a need and I'm like, oh golly, I want to help, but I don't want to seem disrespectful. I don't want to overstep my bounds. Can you direct me and our listeners or anybody else? Let's do it. Let's do it. (laughs) Tell us perhaps what to say, or if there's a toolkit on your website, what can we do in the proper way to kind of lovingly intervene? Okay. If there's a graphic designer out there who can make this look pretty and, and put a bow on this. It's not on our website, right? It's like I all the things of that I'm trying to do, but you are touching on something that is the the whole reason I did this. When I started Empower Her, it was because I was, as I mentioned, I had met these young families. So I was out and about with a 12-year-old girl or a nine-year-old girl. Here's where the problem probably lies. You, Stephanie, have only good intentions. You are not suggesting that dad needs a, your, a hand in this. I would tell you, you're never going to say the right thing and you're never going to do the right thing. I don't have a toolkit. Cheryl Sandberg's nonprofit option B you know, would call me every year and say, give us tips of the trade. How, how do you talk to girls on Mother's Day? I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Again, I can't be the expert in this. I, here's what I would say. You would never do anything wrong. You would never say anything wrong, but you will be convinced you did because if you pull dad aside and you say, oh my God, like, how are you guys doing with the left head tilt? You're doing that because out of love, you care. And you're saying, I am so sorry your wife died. I don't know how I can help, but maybe I can help. What can I do? Yes. He may not really be receptive to that. He may not um, say, actually, could you could you take her out? She's just impossible right now. She's in up in a room. She's not talking to me. I don't know. Could you grab dinner with her? He might want you to do that more than his wife's best friend, because there's, there's this um, nucleus that does swarm a family a lot in the beginning, especially. And so sometimes it's nice. Um, It would have been nice for me to grieve with adult people like women who weren't in my family nucleus, mm-hmm. that my, my, my friend's moms, my mom's sister and grand, you know, because, right, because they were of grieving. what you said earlier, which is that you yeah. are concerned for their feelings. So oh, I a, totally protected them. Right. Yeah. So yeah. if you're outside the nucleus then you, then you take that burden off the child. Yes. Glennon Doyle said, maybe we weren't in the right job descriptions. And why I liked what she said was 
she was reflecting back on some tough things she went through as a child and she was not blaming her mother and father for it. She was saying, maybe they weren't in the right job description. Right. Maybe their job was to love me. So I started to empower her thinking, number one, I could kind of create a form for it and, and try as best I could to, to help women like you, Stephanie and, and Marilee to say, just do it. Like, just say the thing, just offer the thing. It's not going to be perfect. It might be messy. Um, you might have to try four times because dad or the girl, you could offer support to the, to a girl, a teacher could pull a girl aside, which is what I beg teachers to do is please pull her aside and just say, how are you? But teachers are busy, but they're also just so afraid. She looks good that day and they don't want to rock the boat and like Mm. turn her day upside down. And, um, and I want to say, but her world is already upside down. Like us, us all pretending she lives on earth when she really lives on Mars isn't helping either. Right. But but she'll send a rule, you know, she'll send this message. Um, like my, my best friends from childhood who are like my lifelines today, my girls, we were like in our twenties at like some dive bar in our hometown. And they finally were brave enough. And they, they asked me about my mom and they said, why didn't you ever talk about your mom growing up? And I said, what? I was desperate for you guys to ask me about her. And they were like, no, that is not fair. That's not the energy you were putting out, right? <laughs> no. Right. I was like, zip, you are not allowed to go there with me about yeah. my mother, but I was desperate, but kids have no tools. So I would have probably, it, it may have taken five tries for my friends to pull me aside and say, Hey, come on, just talk about your mom. Like mm-hmm. I don't, so I, so I still don't have the right answer, but I appreciate you bringing that up because it's, it's, it's a longer answer, right? And we can work through it. Like when I started Empower Her and I quit my day job and I realized I've got to just, you know, be maniacally focused at this thing. I hit a nerve in the community. It doesn't exist in this country. I'm going to see what I can do with this. But I was meeting with a lot of aunts and grandmas and mom's best friend and the neighbor who were so out of love saying, what can I do? And I'd say, enroll her you enroll her and empower her. You drive her to the retreat. Okay. That's a huge thing you can actually do because dad doesn't have time to drive an hour to my event. Mm -hmm. Um, so, and then the, the back to Glenn and Doyle, I thought that was genius. She said, maybe our parents aren't always in the right job description, or maybe the teacher wasn't in the right job description to help, but in empower her mentor is Mm -hmm. because I can train her. I can screen her. I can make this match. I can monitor this match. The girls that get matched with a mentor, it's a very formalized match process for for the first year. And then it transitions into this beautiful world of like, please be friends forever. But she doesn't, as she gets older, she might not want to call you all the time. She kind of wants to put you in her back pocket. Maybe she doesn't need you to take her to go get her nails done every month. Um, Maybe she doesn't want to talk about her mom. So that's why it's so hard for me to, yeah. But having that constant sponsor is mm-hmm. just a beautiful yeah. thing. You may need yeah. them a lot in the beginning for that yeah. pedicure, for that picnic, for that. And then all of a sudden, it's just something flares up. It's a really bad day. Yeah. And the person you can call who maybe you've not spoken with for three months yes. is that mentor. Yeah. 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 It's community. You know, That's what it is to have community, right? I remember I've told the story before when my son was small <clears throat> and I went to our pediatrician and, um, 
And I was asking, you know, what if I do this wrong? And what if I do that wrong? And, you know, because you think everything I do is going to wind up my child in therapy when he's 35 complaining about me. Right. (laughs) And she said, she said, the only thing that you can understand and embrace is that if you make a decision out of the purest place in your heart, out of love, it can never be the wrong decision. Yes. So if you approach one of these parents truly out of uh, the yeah. purest place in your yeah. heart with the most well-meaning pure thing, and even say, I don't want to overstep bounds. I just want to yeah. say, here's my number. Here I am. Yeah. Call it's me. It's the bravest thing you can do. Yeah. It's really hard. Well, and I, I think I people remember, need to give themselves credit. I remember I really didn't. I never asked the girls anything. I would just mm-hmm. be sort of very quiet. Mm-hmm. And if like one of them needed their hair braided after swimming, I would say, Oh, I can do that. Do you want me to do that? Yeah. It's okay. If you don't yeah. want me to, yeah. um, and let a, let a conversation kind of come organically. I never asked questions because I yeah. sort of want, I sort of thought of it as, you know, when you're in the car with your teenager driving, that's when yep. they tell you the most because you're not looking at them. That's no how contact. I wanted the girls yeah. to feel like, look, I'm just driving the car. If you want to tell me yes. something, go ahead. Tell me, I won't even look at yep. you because yep. it, I was very uncomfortable. I didn't know what oh, was yeah. okay to feel. They were having a great day at cooking class or on the beach. I didn't want to wreck yep. that, but you know, yep. and so I just decided I'm just going to step back. I don't think yep. I really helped anybody or provided any insight to any of these yeah, kids, you did. but yes, I, you did. I, oh, I that was the whole thing. That. No, because at the empower her cooking class, Marilee, I don't think I necessarily needed you to talk about mom. Right. You, you had already built community in just welcoming them. You gave them a hug at at the time they came into this event, you braided their hair and touched their hair. A lot of the girls don't have somebody who's touching their hair all the time. Yeah. Think about that. And that's all I was asking. That was the job description for you, Marilee, as you were a volunteer planning and producing and putting on this amazing day for this girl. If you're a teacher and you're walking, you know, and you have a girl in your school um, or if you're in a town where your, your friend died and you're watching their kids grieve, I am asking you to do the thing, which is the hardest, which is bring it up. Mm-hmm. Like, just talk about it. That's the beautiful thing about empower her women that are involved. The ones who have parent have lost a mom. Um, oh my God. The nods around the room were like, yes. Oh my God. That's exactly what my experience was. Yeah. Tell me about how you're expanding with boys. I'm so happy to hear that. I love it. Yes, that. I know. I'm so excited. We were very fortunate to receive a million dollar gift um, just recently from a local philanthropist. And um, we are going to start making um, moves on what expansion really means for us. It's not that easy, but most people generally say to me, well, Kara, why don't you serve boys? Well, what that is, is my vision was always to serve girls, boys, non-binary youth of any parent loss, mom or dad, in the same way that we currently do it. So it would be really just replicating the events that we do that are non-therapeutic, that are kind of low pressure, especially in terms of, you know, think about a boy who lost his father. Are we going to have a Father's Day event with other boys? Like, is that what the boy needs? I was desperate to meet other girls like me. I don't know yet until we find out really more from families if boys are desperate to meet other boys their age who can relate to their loss or if they're just really in 
need of an adult man mentor who also lost his father or his mother in childhood. And the, you know, for uh, let's say a young girl whose father died, is it that she was looking for a woman who survived the loss of her father Mm. as a mentor? And so all of that is getting fleshed out now. It's just, we're, you know, eight years into doing this and that's the vision and that's going to take, it's an enormous undertaking, but huge. thank God for a transformational gift. You know, everything we've done has been privately funded. I mean, we're a hundred percent privately funded and it was a hundred dollars here and a hundred dollars there for all these years. And people really showed up for us um, to fund this, but to expand, I knew it was going to take an incredible amount of resources. So we think that in expansion, we will serve boys, girls, non-binary youth who have lost their mother or their father under the age of 24. That's technically children's bereavement and serve them in a way, you know, to build community through these events or mentorship. Yeah. I can understand how beautifully daunting it might be to want to expand beyond what your initial experience was and what Mm -hmm. really sparked was the Tinder Mm -hmm. to create Empower Her. And now do you have an idea of what the name might be since Empower Her doesn't necessarily, that's not the umbrella of the, no, of the global. We don't know. Okay. Okay. I don't know. I'm, I'm, we're all ears. The name Empower Her, it's funny too. Empowerment was a, is a buzzword, was a buzzword, is all the things, but I, it's very empowering to meet an adult who survived something that you don't think you're going to survive, right? In any, you could talk about any type of loss or pain or adversity. So I like the word empowerment. It really wasn't a buzzword to me. We are here to empower kids through their grief. So I think it's empowering for boys, girls, non-binary youth to stand in a room and realize you're not alone. And I think it's empowering to meet someone who has walked your grief journey as much as I hate that phrase. Um, And I think it's really healing to have community. Do you want to share one of your happiest memories of your mom? Oh my gosh, of course. Um, My mother sold Tupperware and she loved it. And before that, my mom and dad, they were both teachers. My father was a gym teacher. My mother was the stay-at-home mom. And I had like this very idyllic childhood. And my mother was like beautiful and smart and funny and, you know, lit up a room. And um, she loved being a mom to Todd and I. And we had this station wagon that she like won in Tupperware, you know, (laughs) one, or, you know, was it, Oh no, that's Mary Kay. I was going to say, was it pink, but that's Mary Kay. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. wrong. But similar marketing, you know, the, 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 the the whole strategy there. And um, she just had a bunch of her and her friends used to sell Tupperware and she was just really, really good at it. And so my brother would be at school and I'd be at home with my mom. And I just was, you know, in that station wagon that, you know, with the wood paneling and I'm like, oh facing yeah, no seatbelts, no seatbelts no seat belt. and in the and way then, back. And then you'd go in the way, way back and just like roll around in traffic in the seventies. Nobody cared. You yeah. could do whatever you want. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm just sucking on a lollipop oh, yeah. to people. Yeah. yeah. Just, oh my God. And, um, yeah. And we, and I would make Tupperware deliveries with her and just, oh. I mean, the friends she had, the, she was an extraordinary woman. I like to think I'm, I mother the way she mothered. 
I remember her laugh. I remember her smile. I remember witty comments. She was super opinionated. I loved that about her. Yeah, she wasn't perfect. And I love that about her. So I just tried to take the pressure off myself in that way. Like I, I, th- I thought she was perfect as a, as her daughter. And today I'm not getting it right all the time, but I think like, you know, I'm doing, I'm doing pretty damn well. Like we're, we're all you're, good. You're, you're a pretty you're extraordinary like, woman yeah, yourself. Well, pretty yeah, extraordinary. Thanks for saying that. And I'm sure that you get it, you know, mom to mom, you know what I well, mean. I'm, I'm, I have no doubt that she's walking next to you every step and guiding you along the way. Every oh, yeah. step. She started and, empower her. I think. Sure. Yeah. 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 She's right there with you the whole time. Yeah. All right. We've arrived at the five questions. If you were arrested and thrown in jail, what would your friends and family think that you did? Okay, oh, that's really, okay. really good. Um, some kind of speeding violation. <laughs> something with like, I argued with him to like, it wasn't my fault. I really wasn't going over the speed limit. Something argumentative. (laughs) If we were to walk into your closet, is there a piece of clothing or garment or piece of jewelry you will never get rid of? Oh my God. Well, everything that's that my mother ever wore ever costume, jewelry galore, I would never get rid of, but I just tore my ACL and I am so sad because I just found these blue satin J crew pumps that were like out years ago that I like missed the boat on. And I just found them online and I can't wear them. And they're a solid four inches, but I'm never getting rid of them because when I'm done with this ACL, I am getting right back into high heels. If you could be transported anywhere in the world right now, where'd you go? I would stay here. I want to, I want to like hang out with my kids tonight and watch a movie on my couch. Like I, I, I need a couple hours of just quiet. Beautiful. Yeah. I love them. I love hanging out with Murphy and Ava Belvin. They're super fun, super fun right now. And my husband, Shane Belvin, (laughs) but (laughs) I just, I just need some mama time with Murphy and Ava on a couch. If uh, you could have a special skill, worldly or otherworldly, like a superpower, what would it be? Oh, to sing, um, defying gravity, because I do it all the time. And I, I like, I got the note. <laughs> I got it. My husband and I, we both like belting it out. Um, it would definitely be to sing. Like, it's so not pretty when I sing. And, but you want to so bad. I hope you both know that, that all of us, wish we could sing. <laughs> be so just, awesome. That's it so is kind. very therapeutic belting out a note. I will oh say that God. it is very yeah. therapeutic. Yeah. Okay. If you were a nail polish color, what color would you be? And what would the cheeky little name be? Oh, pretty in pink. Cause that's the best movie in the world. And Ever. it would just be a boring blush pink along the lines of like bubble bath. I go with my daughter to get her nails done. It's like, she's got blue and yellow and like red. And this is what my nails look like. Very so simple. Very class. I'm very classic. Yes, yes, yes. You are such a special human. Um, Thank you. I totally appreciate all the good you put in the world and, and you're just the best. And I appreciate you taking the time and I wish you such a happy mother's day retreat this year. And thank you. You and all the girls. Thank you. Happy Mother's Day to you both. 
Thank you really for inviting me here. I mean, you two are extraordinary women with very notable guests. <laughs> I'm thinking, I keep thinking like there must be some kind of mistake. <laughs> no. Oh, Why no. am I on? Because <laughs> your so message you. and your mission are remarkable. We feel very, very blessed. Thank you. Cara. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate you doing this. Talking about hard things. I appreciate it. Bye. Coming up next, what struck a chord with us right after this break? Y'all, Stages is now sponsored by BetterHelp, and I couldn't be more excited because I love therapy. So I encourage you, if you've had a tough year and a half, (laughs) why don't you give them a shot? You can find a therapist that you can connect with. Their resource is thousands of therapists, well-trained and experienced. You can keep looking until you find someone that you click with. They have customized online therapy. They do offer videos, but they also offer phone and live chat sessions. So you don't even have to be seen. You can only be heard. What are you waiting for? Go to BetterHelp. That's H-E-L-P dot com slash stages. And for our cast members, you get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash stages. Go, go, go. Go find your healing. Go find your happy. Stages podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. That's H-E-L-P. Lovely, right? Really, um, really lovely. Uh, A lot of things, a lot of thoughts were going through my head and I kept going, we want to meet these young people where they are. Uh, don't try to fix them, you know, just be there. She kept saying, ask the hard questions, ask the questions. It may not look like what you think it's going to look like, or it may not end up the way you want it to end up. But if you ask the question and then meet them where they are without that intention of wanting to make it right, because you never will, you will never make this situation right. So I I just find her to be extraordinarily brave because this is a tender subject and, but something called her, something called her. And she said she filled a a need that, that didn't exist and she's right, you know, and I, I hope she is able to expand with the generous gifts that are being sent, uh, to empower her to continue on with the non-binary and the other genders. And I think one of the hardest things we can do as human beings is just simply hold space space. for someone, not fix it, not say the right thing, not, not take action, not change their mind, just hold space and let them be where they are and allow it and accept it. And I think that is such a challenge because we all want to make it right and fix it. And, oh, don't feel that way when really it's, it's okay. Like you can feel that way. And, and that was definitely one of the lessons that I kept reminding myself of is that I'm not here to be anybody's hero. I'm not here to fix anything for these girls. I'm not even here to fully empathize because I don't know what it feels like to lose your mom. I don't, I can imagine, but that's all I can do. And, and I literally would say that just hold space. She mentioned Glenn and Melton Doyle a couple of times. And yeah. one of it was, we can do hard things. Mm-hmm. Another quote from Glennon that came to me is there's no such thing as other people's children where mm. we all gather around and you have, 
it's our duty to take care of whoever that young person might be if we're witnessing a wrongdoing or if we're witnessing harm or, you know, like you said, if it's led with love, then you can go to them and say, how can I be of service? What can I do to help, you know, you or this circumstance? So, and boy, is, is she doing that in a really big way? You know, I've often thought, I think when you become a mother or, or a, a caregiving figure in any family, right? If you have that deep sense of love and responsibility for a young person, I think you do think of your early demise and what that would look like oh, for yeah. that young person. That happened really early to me when I gave birth to Vivi. I thought, my goodness, I, I have to stay healthy. I have to yeah. stay strong. I have to stay on this planet. I'm an older mama. So that's constantly kind of in loop in my head. And I've thought, I think I should write her just, just a letter that mm-hmm. I would have, you know, somebody I respect or a lawyer hold on to that if I were to leave this earth earlier than I'd want, that she would know how proud I am of her and mm-hmm. what I want for her life and that I will always be watching her. And there's another story that I had followed on social media. It, it did go viral that a father had passed and he had sent he had sent money to a local florist to give flowers for all of these special occasions for i think 10 years for every birthday for every and so she received flowers from oh, her father gosh. for 10 years making me and cry and i thought these are things that i think i would want to maybe without you know, it being morbid or dark, or I, I think I do want to put some things in play like that, that you're mm. just, just there for Vivi. If God forbid I were to go too soon. No, oh, it's very, very hard to even think about, you know, it really is. Um, I think that being a mom for me, as I've said before, it was never in my game plan. I never planned to be a mom, but when I did become a mom, it truly was I get choked up when I say it, but I truly was the greatest gift I ever got. I feel that it's a privilege to be my son's mom, a privilege. And I think I've certainly done the best I can as a mom, but I think it's because I I had, I have a really great mom always been there and supported me and stuff. And um, one of my favorite stories about my mom, and I think it totally sums up who she is. She, I can't say her age. I'm not allowed. No one's supposed to know. Your mother has said, never say no, my age. No, okay. because she she says that when the 70-year-olds she hangs out with find out her age, they treat her different. And she thinks it's ageism. And so she doesn't want anyone to know her age. She She's a <laughs> those docent. Youngins, those young-ins, those 70-year-olds, those She's young-ins. unbelievable. She's a docent at a museum once a week. She seats people at the theater once a week. She goes literally dancing three nights a week, even during COVID, she has a group. They all get a COVID test. They have a teacher who dances with just them. They all get COVID tests and they go in and dance. Remarkable. Years ago, my brother was very, very ill. He had uh, leukemia and he was getting bone marrow transplants and it was, it was really hard. And she would go in at night and she would read to him until he fell asleep, but she would go in fully dressed in a dress with makeup, heels, all of it. And when he fell asleep, she would go out and tango dance because she said, I would sit in that room and I would read to him. And once I knew he was asleep for the night, I, I would not allow that to be the final image of my day. 
I was going to go celebrate life that I could move and I could dance and I would go and I would have a couple of dances and then I would go home. That's the mindset like that my mom has. And so I feel so fortunate, first of all, to have had a woman like that to aspire to be like, but also to be able to have my son see that kind of spirit in a mom too. And so I feel very lucky in that respect. I'm glad you were brave enough to ask Kara what her memories of her mother were. I love that it was Tupperware. I mean, <laughs> I do. You know, I've just recently got back on board with Tupperware. I know that you can go to the container store, you can go to Home Goods. There are so many different, you know, places you can go to now get your Tupperware or but Tupperware still exists. The parties and, and stuff, really? Yes. My <laughs> Tupperware lady is a drag queen named oh Quesadilla. Please check out Quesadilla on Instagram. Sells Tupperware in like a full, you know, um, uh, Mexican fiesta outfit. Hilarious. She's hilarious. And so it really is just this, all these countercultures coming together with a drag queen and then the culture of like the 60s and 70s with the Tupperware and all these men and women now that come to these parties. It is so fun. So if I encourage you, Get back into Tupperware. The product is still like primo and quesadilla is your woman to sell. Oh, um, that is hilarious. Isn't it fun? Yeah. Now I'm going to go buy Tupperware from quesadilla. Yeah, you are. Sure. Yeah, yeah you are. You're going to make a pot roast with all the fixins and put it back in your Tupperware with leftovers. That's fabulous. Listen, happy Mama's Day to you, Mama. Happy Mama's Day to you, Mama. Whether you are a mom or have your mom still, we are each other's caretakers. So go out today and be kind and have a great day. Empower Her holds all expense paid Mother's Day retreats facilitated by Empower Her chaperones and mentors. These events are located in Boston, Massachusetts, Charlotte, North Carolina, New York City, Old Saybrook, Connecticut, Chicago, Illinois, Los Angeles, and Washington, D.C., but they also have events all year long for their girls and support them in so many ways. If you'd like to volunteer, donate, or connect with a girl who has lost her mother, please go to www.empoweringher.com. The link will also be found in this episode description. Thank you. So if this episode resonated with you, please follow, subscribe, and share. You can always find us at stagespodcast.net. A big thank you goes out to our assistant and doer of all things technical, Saren Cho. Thank you to Noah Kaiserman and Garrett Healy for our beautiful original music. Melanie Von Trapp for our Stages Podcast logo. Brock Grenfeld, our sound engineer. And Allison Arns, our PR and social media expert. And thank you, our cast members, for joining us today. We hope you come back next week.